This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend and colleague, Jill Brown, as we chat about the components about what makes Scottish cashmere so special, why it's loved by people all around the globe, and why every design house has a Scottish mill in their little black book. In the last episode, we were discussing the capsule collection and we chatted about the houndstooth and the argyle. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the hoodie, the cashmere t-shirt, the cable knit, and the wrap. Kicking off, it's the hoodie. You may be fooled into thinking this garment is a relatively new kid on the block, and that's where you'd be wrong. The origins trace back to utility wear in medieval Europe. Fast forward to the roaring 20s, and the humble jumper we call hoodie undertakes its final fashion transfiguration into the garment that we wear today. Hoodie roots have remained in workwear, its fallacious nature making sportswear its natural home at the the start of the 20th century. Adopted by non-conformists, this inconspicuous piece of clothing has become a complicated cultural symbol. This is dreamy dress down attire. Think weekend lounging, cosy, comfortable clobber that maintains a style edge. There's a reason sports luxe was coined as fashion terminology. And I like to think that the black cashmere hoodie was the nucleus for this movement. The hoodie sits within its own set of style rules for the wearer. Add cashmere and this congress concoction will leave you with plenty to play with in your wardrobe. Pop it underneath the suiting to give a casual visual to workwear or plonk it on with some stretchy trousers and trainers and take that slacker edge off slob dressing, which by the way, is one of my favourite vibes. Part of the 100 a guide to the pieces every stylish woman should own, which is a fantastic book, by the way, everybody should read it. The cashmere hoodie has the luxury of going with everything in your currently established wardrobe. So I suppose what's quite interesting in my head, this is still a journey of luxury meaning just for good. Mm. You know, like you assume that you buy something luxurious and, and you just keep it for special. Yeah. And I think a big lesson for me over the last, this really difficult year is what if special doesn't come and that thing has sat in your wardrobe so I guess it's if you've got something nice wear it especially if it's a cashmere hoodie absolutely I mean the cashmere hoodie for me was the one that just flew like hot buns out the shop you never really know you know and also I you know I wasn't thinking about this in terms of selling on a shop floor so from a, a data point it was really really interesting Because it just went with everything. You know, it went great underneath gorgeous little floaty dresses, or sorry, over the top of gorgeous little floaty dresses, all the way through to looking impeccable with um, suiting. Uh, But the one thing that I did want when I was was doing that was to take the zipper. I think I'd mentioned that before. And so I just wanted it to be at this kind of flat jumper. But you're right, it's the the luxury of the wool, you know, the, the, the softness of it that kind of takes you away from exactly what you're saying, a hoodie just being this everyday thing. But I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted that hoodie to be the thing that you grabbed because it just felt great and it looked sensational. And yeah, I'm I'm not one for 
putting something in the back of your wardrobe that you wear once or twice a year. And particularly with these wools. You know, I've said this a million times before. The wool has come, it comes off a goat, you know? It's been plunged in and out of water. The, the animals get rained on. You know, this is hardy stuff, even though it's super duper soft. So no, I, I, I'm very much, have always been like, if you love that thing, wear it. And I suppose that translates back to your cost per wear. Yeah. Like you buy yourself something expensive and you keep it for the good times only, then you're not going to get that cost per yeah. wear out of it and it removes the point, you know. But I, I used to be very much a person of, I would just bring things out, out for, for good. And on my 30th birthday, um, I got bought this beautiful, beautiful pair of diamond earrings. As I opened them and I looked at them, my mum and dad said to me, these are not for good. These are to be worn all the time. You know, they're diamonds. They're the toughest, yeah. toughest material there is. Put them in, wear them. They're studs. You know, they go with everything. Mm. And so I have done, you know, and, you know, there's an, they, they, I have them in, in the shower and every couple of years they go in and they get cleaned because they need to be taken care of. But I wear them all the time. Yeah. And it was a really interesting, similarly, I've got, I've got my granny's engagement ring. And I've had it for, well, she died when I was 17. I've had it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I never used to wear it because it's quite interesting. It tells you a lot about um, the trends of jewellery. So um, the diamonds are sort of flat set. It's quite an art deco setting. And they're set in platinum. But the band was thin yellow gold. Mm -hmm. And so the setting was, it was too heavy. So the yellow gold was wobbling because it's quite soft. Um, so I didn't wear it for fear that you it know, would, it would break. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was slightly too big for me. And then last year I had a big job interview and I wore it just for the big job interview. And it went really well. Mum was like, I think we should just go and get some advice. So it's at the moment not been reset in platinum. Um, it's been sort of coated to make it stronger mm -hmm. and it's been sized to fit me. Um, and I wear it a lot. Like if you look at some of the pictures that we've had taken of us, I have it on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the th it makes me sad that that sat for years in a box and nobody saw it. Yeah. You know, and why, you know, again, why would you have something for it to sit in a box yeah. and nobody to see it? Yeah, and I, th I think you're right. I think that this year in particular has really spun those scenarios on their head. If you are not going out, if you are not uh, doing things, you know, then then what, are you just going to sit in some grubby old clothes? No, you are not. You're because it would do your mental health in. So, yeah, no, I, I, but I think that, I, I, I suppose because I've worked in fashion, I've always really loved to play dress up, even if it was to sit on the couch. And I kind of implore everybody to, to try it, you know, like just to, to take that thing out of its box or use that bag or... Do you know what? Use the china that you, you got for your wedding. Use the best silver that you have. Like, you know, whatever it is, the heirloom pieces, just get using it because life is too bloody short, right? When I, when I bought Rose Cottage, my house that I've renovated, from the other side of my family, I was gifted my grandmother's wedding china mm -hmm. um, because it, my aunt felt like it was really fitting for, for my house. And... Um, she was absolutely right. And, and it's the same, you know, it takes a little bit more care. So yeah. it, you have to give the teapot a wee bit of a warm bath because it's old before you put boiling water in it. But we use it because what are we waiting for? Yeah. You know, what, what, what are we waiting for? And 
you know, not at all to be maudlin or sad, but there's been some terrible things that have happened and people who have had their future taken away from them. And yeah. imagine just, wear the jumper. Wear the bloody jumper. Eat the cake. <laughs> put it on the nice china. You know, it's life is, life is short. Enjoy. If you've saved up and you've bought something yeah. expensive, wear it. Yeah. And do you know what? If you do wear it and something does happen to it, you can fix it. You know, if you get a hole in it, you can darn it. You know, these things I think that actually we've got out of the habit of making do and mending and that we think that once there's a chip or once there's a tiny hole or whatever it is, that's it done. It's not. It just takes on its next evolution. And actually, once you do spill or get a hole in it, then you do kind of feel a little bit like, oh, okay, now that's happened. I'm going to just ride on down this road. We talked about that earlier, didn't we? With me and my smoothie on my couch, on my sofa. Totally. That's it. It's like once, once that one thing has happened and you fix it or you have to learn to live with the fact that it's slightly marked, that's it. it, it, it it's still worth a lot to you, but it's maybe lost its fragility and its preciousness. Yeah, totally. So then you're just like, all right, well, that's, that's it happened. We, moving on. Moving on. We can fix it or we can't. Yeah. Okay, so the next item um, that I designed for the capsule was the t-shirt. Everybody is well-versed with what a t-shirt is, but I will get into its origins. The humble t-shirt is over 100 years old, beginning life as a military garment between the Spanish and French War of the early 1900s. Its transformation into a style staple circles around Pringle of Scotland's twin-set invention of the 1930s. The twin-set is part of Scotland's textile royalty, a gem that placed us on the map a la mode with Hollywood starlets and feverish fashion followers alike. Two components create the look, a crew neck t-shirt sitting underneath a cardigan of the same colour. Lana Turner, Grace Kelly, Carol Lombard, Jean Simmons, all part of the cashmere t-shirt sisterhood. Not bad company to be kicking around in. The cashmere t-shirt from this day forth shall be known as the all-rounder. It can take you from day to night, formal to casual, and most importantly, winter to summer. If you're going to own one piece of cashmere, for me, this is the one. Now, the reason that I think that is twofold. The cashmere t-shirt is probably going to be the cheapest um, jumper, you know, uh, of, of all things that you can buy in cashmere, you can buy a, a hat, a scarf, a pair of gloves. Obviously, that price point is lower than than what you would put on your body. So yeah, cashmere t-shirt is going to get you into that, that easy access point. And also it's just a really brilliant, great all-rounder. I like to wear it underneath, you know, other things. So actually I'm really, really glad that the, the 90s is, is coming back. You remember you would wear t-shirts and then you would put a dress over the top of it. So I'm constantly putting the cashmere t-shirt under long dresses. It just looks so bloody brilliant what is the evolution of a t-shirt as a garment never mind in cashmere so well this harps back to our roots in in textile in the textile industry so you map back 200 years and we were producing uh, up to a million pieces of hosiery a year and then we were doing underwear and the t-shirt is an evolution of the vest you were just going nuts about katie holmes's cashmere bra and just, you love I mean, it. I, I, I just, it would never have occurred to me that I would want that in my life. And then I sort of thought, because the picture of her, she has it under a matching cardigan, which mm -hmm. I was just like, 
Now that's, that's a look I could get behind that I wouldn't have got behind maybe even in March. <laughs> but I thought, God, imagine how lovely and soft that would be. Yeah, you're, you're coming at this not um, breastfeeding. I'm currently still breastfeeding and the thought of a cashmere bra and milky titties doesn't go hand in hand for me. But yes, it does, it does evoke pure luxurious doesn't Thoughts. it? You just yeah. think, I'm so cosy, my bra is made of cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> give me a more luxurious thing. People seriously give me a more luxurious thing. Well, that's the, t- so the t-shirt. The t-shirt is the evolution of the vest. When you, hear it, when you heard about what I was just saying about its style credentials, I wanted everything to be over 100 years old. The t-shirt was that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's steeped in workwear and then was used for men to go to war in. Um, because it was easy and cheap. But that's the point that a t-shirt will sit with just about everything in your wardrobe and even better than that it can go day to night it can go fancy to really slackery so yeah for for me it's it's the best entry point and also gives a nod to our underwear roots which I quite like the thought of putting cashmere pants on still freaks me out no and I don't know what, what I mean I suppose there's oh no, yeah I, I'm the same like I, I definitely wouldn't wear a pair of cashmere pants yeah but it's natural fiber so actually uh, it totally would work in the old bacterial point of view if you get my drift. Absolutely, and and you know uh, I've had se- weirdly several conversations about the material pants are made of over the last few weeks. Oh really? I don't know why. I don't know if it's Who have you been talking co- pants with. <laughs> A couple of really good friends. We've just been sort of talking about. I don't know if it's just like we're spending less money on other stuff, so we're thinking about the things that are really close to our body. Oh, and, nothing and maybe- is closer than a gusset, my friends. <laughs> But, you know, the, the idea that it never really occurred to me what, that it was important what my pants were made of. Yeah. It is, and I don't know if that's just because, you know, we are spending less time maybe in more formal wear and we're spending, we're certainly not buying party dresses and going out clothes. We're then like, all right, okay, so actually my underwear probably should be made from a natural fibre, mm. whether that's, you know, cotton or whatever. But yeah, there is something about a woolen pant that I'm not, I'm not there with. Pass me one of those bras, though. I'm totally on board with that. Because I think, though, that a lot of people, their entry point into woolens conjures up a kind of scratchy sensation. That's obviously not what's happening with cashmere. You know, you're not going to be getting an old thatch. It'll be smooth sailing down there, my friends. (laughs) Enjoy. Maybe this is our new line. We should just start some cashmere pants. (laughs) What do okay. you think, Lockie? Should we do that? Have Let's you got like, them in your, your archive? I'll, I'll, <laughs> do, uh, do you know, years ago, when um, Pringle were turning 200, uh, they did a giant big exhibition that, that roamed around, but they did it at the National Museums here in um, Scotland and Edinburgh. Um, and they had pants on show. And what blew my mind is that they hadn't been archiving. So they had this brand, and you know, it, it obviously changed owners over centuries and, and slipped hands and stuff nobody had been archiving and so it was really difficult for them to pinpoint and get back you know, stuff that they should have had it in abundance which hence is why I archive like an absolute beast now because that was a couple of years ago um and I remember I told you that the the golf trousers the Pringle golf trousers that I had the Faldo ones from the 80s you know they're they're, they're not I don't I think they're made of nylon but they're Pringle um, they were they were like, can we keep them? Like, hell no. No, you can't keep them. They're mine. I found them in a charity shop bin. Thank you very much. I'm keeping them for my own archive. But yeah, that's the point that they, they had some pieces of um, hosiery and 
it was really, really interesting. And of course, to think about how shapes have changed and how underwear has changed. Hence, going back to the t-shirt, because that was a very conformist shape 200 years ago. They, you know, they weren't really wearing, but they, they were wearing corsets. But, you know, men were wearing proper t-shirts underneath. So yeah, cashmere t-shirt. Everybody go and, go and do it, because it's honestly, it's brilliant. And the final thing that I will say about that, I do go braless in my cashmere t-shirt. Oh. It does feel great. Not going to lie. Maybe that's my middle ground, because I also have a cashmere t-shirt. Um, that, that might be this week's experiment. I'll report back. Deal. Right? Done. That might be my middle ground until, until I find myself a cashmere bra. <laughs> Done deal. Right, next up, uh, we're doing the old cable knit. You ready for this? Mm. It's origins. During the 17th and 18th century, knitwear dominated infrastructure in Scotland, like we were just talking about. Kicking off with the accessories from socks and stockings, right off to underwear and jumpers. You would have thought that I would have, have done this seamlessly. I haven't actually <laughs> read this page yet. That's why I'm laughing. During this time, frail techniques were honed and developed, leading the way to the cable stitch used on Aran sweaters. It's in the early 20th century that we see cable knit becoming a fashion symbol rather than a practical piece of workwear for fishermen. The post-Second World War boom allowed knitwear to become flavoursome with oak couturiers and the knitting craze took off around the globe. It's capsule credentials. There is not an autumn winter that passes you by that you don't see an adaptation of a cable knit going down a runway or hitting the high street. Sure, as the seasons change and snow follows sun, so too these jumpers make an annual appearance. For that reason, it's a no-brainer to invest in one that will see you not just through one winter, but several decades worth. Due to the dense, soft nature of the goat's hair and the marriage between the cashmere and the chunky knit means that warmth is at its maximum in a cable knit. The better the cashmere quality, the warmer you will be. The higher the ply, the softer it will feel. For me, greys and creams made sense. It's a natural tone that will go with anything and also the cleaning process is pretty straightforward too. Plus, it goes with every colour, print and texture you can throw at it. I obviously I've read your book and it wasn't until I actually walked into Next with my mum the other day to get a cup of tea whilst my car was in the garage. Boring. In Next? Yeah. I didn't know you could have a cup of tea in Next, but okay. Um, well, there's a Costa. Oh, I see, okay. But yeah, there's about 16 million cable knits and I was like, you know, it's not sometimes until you're, I actually don't think that I own one, but, and I'm going to look them out for, and I'll put them on social media. There are some cracking pictures of the brown children in some hands knitted from Aww. Grandma Brown cable knits. Queen of the Aran sweater was, was Grandma she? Brown. Mm-hmm. We had, yeah, I'm going to have to dig them out. I'm going to go home and get mum to help me. But yeah, there, there's some cracking pictures of my brother Liam and I both in our in our Aran sweaters. And I think, I'll need to double check, Kate, my mum, still has one. Aww. Like an adult one that my grandma knitted for her. That's so lovely. Isn't it? Yeah. Like the hours of time that must have gone into that. Oh, it does. It takes, hand knitting is even more luxurious when you're thinking about that in terms of, of, of manpower. Um, actually, the DC Dalglish is attached to uh, a, another company and we would sell hand knits, predominantly uh, cable knits. And you would get a little card with the woman's name and how long it took her to knit it and what she liked to watch while she was knitting it. That's so <laughs> nice. No, it's great, isn't it? Like the soundtrack of my childhood, certainly when I was with my grandma, my dad's mum, is the clack of knitting needles. I love that noise. She was just an incredible, 
And you know, like you, it's definitely a message of you don't know what you've got till it's gone because I showed no interest in what she could do until it was too late. Aww. And she died when I was 27, so I left it late. Yeah. But she made um, a lot of her own skirts. She was an amazing seamstress. She made all my ballet costumes and things like that. And we were all, me and my cousins, constantly in hand-knitted jumpers. She would do us beautiful... Uh, cardigans for the summer in cotton oh, and honestly my childhood is just dotted through her hand knits. that's she, bloody luxury jill isn't it so luxurious i had one knitting lesson and people i am not known for my patience <laughs> um and, and knitting is not easy it's not and i was just like no so i went to the other grandmother and i learned to crochet and crochet is my thing my my cousin's wife laura is an amazing crocheter but in no way am i anywhere near that but i found that crochet was my thing Whereas knitting, knitting is not. It's hard. But I really wish I'd paid more attention. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think all these skills that she had and that we benefited from as children that yeah. you just take for granted when you're throwing a jumper on because you're going out to play. You've just given me a total shiver. Is that not in microcosm what this whole podcast has been about? Yes. Bloody time, you know, and the memories. And, and you're right, you don't know what you've got till it's gone and... I might just bloody cry now. <laughs> but she, she was it, she was exceptional. There's exactly uh, decades between the, the cousins. So my cousin, my older cousins were born in 74 and 78. Mm-hmm. And then I was born in 84. My brother was born in 88. So there's at least two decades of us in knitwear that yeah. my grandma made us. Like, I suppose when I was a teenager and stuff, I didn't really think about it. Yeah. And I thought... Why and it's not cool, yeah. you know, you kind of, you, you I do wanted that. a Nike sweatshirt, like, yeah. why would I, why, don't be ridiculous, why would I want that? But then I think about, and, and my mum can knit and does knit, so I'm hopeful that my children will get knitted stuff. Recently, actually, friends of mine have had babies and my mum has, has knitted them, like, um, stuffed animals. Mm. But absolutely, you're right. What a luxury to grow up in hand-knitted, beautiful jumpers. Um, it'd be such a luxury that you're completely oblivious to yes. it. Yeah, like that's Jill, the real thing. That's yeah. Honestly, that is that is the podcast in microcosm right there. It took us to the bonus material to get to that. <laughs> well done, girl. <laughs> You're so smart. Okay, last up is um, probably the most luxurious thing that I made, and this is the wrap. So, our most salacious of cover-ups. The wrap's evolution is one worthy of gossip. Design powerhouse Diane von Furzenberg claimed the invention as her own, and although it's certainly synonymous with the living legend, the roots go deeper than the dawn of disco in the 1970s. We find ourselves heading further back to the 30s, when Ilsa Schiaparelli was delving into Dadaism in her designs, to truly witness the conception of the rap. This flowing frock was in essence a way of giving females the freedom to expose their form. A symbol of sexual liberation, this item of clothing has become its own movement within a woman's wardrobe. As a stylist, I know that there's no such thing as one size fits all. Different body shapes demand different treatments when it comes to dressing. Having said that, there's always one thing that defies any rule. And in this case, it's the wrap. Tall, short, slim, thick, busty, bony, hippie or skinny. Whatever style your mortal coil comes in, the wrap will be your buddy. You only have to look at the dedicated followers of fashion wearing wraps throughout the decades to see confirmation of this. From Hollywood royalty to real life queens and princesses, this is an item loved by all. I haven't yet found a body shape 
that this style doesn't work on. Couple style ergonomics with cashmere and you have a match made in sensual heaven. For me, the wrap was almost like if, you know, you had a lottery ticket and you could just have anything that you wanted to make. That was it. I knew I didn't want a cardigan and I knew I couldn't have a coat because coats are ludicrously expensive to make and then, you know, get onto a shop floor. So the wrap for me was the in-between of that. And I wanted something that you could wear in bed and that you could wear outside. And so I have friends that have the wrap that they just wear it as a, as a goonie, essentially. Sorry, a goonie is a dressing gown, everybody. Sorry for being so Scottish. Um, and then I have uh, two that I wear that are totally messed up and one that I keep for good. So I suppose that's, that's the perfect example, going back to what we were saying at the, the beginning of keeping things for good. <laughs> yeah. Th there is something incredible about anything rap oriented, isn't there? Mm -hmm. And when you did the collection, that was also the thing that I thought, God, how amazing to actually wrap yourself yes. in cashmere. How incredible. There are times when I see you in your cashmere and I'm just like, you wore that at the beach? But... Oh, a cashmere wrap on the beach. Can I just say, uh, my kids, going back to you and your grand, my kids will have no idea what spoiled little buggers that they are because when they came out of the freezing cold fourth, um, they, they get wrapped in, in that because inevitably, you know, a towel has got sand on it and someone's moaning. And so off comes the cashmere wrap and on it goes to a, a tiny little body. And then I look at them like, you've got a cashmere wrap on, you little chubby, and you've just <laughs> been in the sea. But it, I have to say that it, of, of most materials, when you go to the beach, say you just give it a good old sugar, it just, the, 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 the sand completely expels really, really quickly. You, you know, I, I, wear, I wear in the summer denim shorts to the beach. And I, 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 don't, I don't know how it happens, but you know, they end up in pockets and cracks and crevices, but it just doesn't happen with the, with the wrap. So I guess that's the thing, isn't it, is your wraps and the way you, you wear them and you use them. And again, first thing you put on when you get up in the morning, how mm. gorgeous, is that perfect separation of luxury and use. Yes. Like the, the, the whole point of you've bought that expensive thing, that doesn't necessarily mean it's fragile. In fact, probably quite the opposite, going back to my diamond analogy, like they're really hardy. As you say, they've been on these goats in Mongolia in the freezing temperatures. Yeah. So... Not like, the wrap. We haven't yeah, wrapped it. No, no. Just, just in case. The actual fleece of the goat. <laughs> yeah. um, but the thing is that this thing has cost you a lot of money. Absolutely take care of it. But wear it and use it because it's hardy. Yeah. And you can wash it. There is a how-to coming on how to wash it. I will because I have ruined several. I've ruined two wraps from washing. And take it from me. See when you just think, oh, I'm just going to stick it on a 40 because I... I you know, I really want to get that stain out or I really want to get that smell out and washing at 30 doesn't really do that. You wash it at 40 and you fucked it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, there's no easier way to say this. That extra 10 degrees will shrink the bejesus out of your piece. So I have one um, cashmere wrap that actually looks like a teeny cardigan, kind of comes up three-quarter length on my um, arms. That's the one that I kind of wear to, to kick around the most um, and I wear it so much that um, it's started to come away underneath the armpit so where you get weird and friction 
um, the seams will come away over time. And you just then repair that stuff, but I haven't bothered. So it's kind of, it's kind of like armpit ventilation. And I suppose I think that's, that's the, the message we want. And then this is very much the end of the book. These are two little bonus bits, but this is very much the end. Is I think that's that's the the message. If if we've encapsulated it in me and my grandma's knitwear, I think the other thing is is that it's wear it, yeah, use it, take wear care it, of it, wear it until it's holy, and then yeah. fix it. Exactly, like that's what we want you to take away from it is not to buy something expensive and then set it in perspex or behind glass and look at it. Yeah. That's not what the people who made it would want you to do with it. No. You know, just wear it and love it and make memories in it and then get it fixed. Yeah. And then make some more memories in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Cheers to that, Jill Brown. <laughs>